What's up, podcast world? I'm so excited again today. I have one of my all-time, and I don't just say that. Y'all know who this man is if you're into real music, and we've been listening to him for so long. At one point in our first podcast, I'd actually texted our guest today a picture of a concert. Hayes, last night I was looking through. I have these tables made that I need to show you sometime when you're playing out west here, but... I have these tables made out of concrete with glass, three-eighths-inch glass on the top, and I have all the my music stuff, memorabilia under them. And I was looking at all my Hayes Carl's ticket stubs, and I'm like, oh, shit, I was at Billy Bob's. I totally forgot I was at Billy Bob's. I got to go in and look at it, but it had to be like 13 or 14. And I remember who I went with. I remember that I was down there for an NBS hunting show, which is a buying group, and we went to Billy Bob's for a Hayes Carl show. I got to go get the exact date, but I'll send you a picture of it, man. But Hayes Carl how are you my brother i'm doing great i'm doing great i'm trying to think if that one year my ex-wife jumped out of a birthday cake at billy bob's i don't know <laughs> if it was that year or not if that was the show you were at but uh i think it might have been it might have been it was it well it was in the it would have been in the month of february would you play do you remember what i'll have to get the date yeah i'm gonna get the date i'll i'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture and we'll catch up on that but i gotta ask you to start this off when you when you see uh, somebody, and I know that Robert Earl Keen has been a huge influence. The first time I ever saw you in concert, you were opening for Robert Earl at the Crystal Bay Club in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, yeah. right on the California border. I know he's an influence to you. What does he mean to you, and what does it mean to read those words that he's done as far as going out on the road and touring? And you know Robert Earl Hayes. Is he going to stick to it, or will this be a Motley Crue Vince Neil, Nikki Six type situation where he gonna be like, you know what, or like the band Alabama. We're retired, but wait a minute, we're gonna come back out anyway, kind of deal. Uh, well, I I know Robert. I don't know him well enough to know, um, you know, if he's gonna uh, uh, come out of retirement. But my my guess would be he he means it. He's probably put a lot of thought into this, and um, you know, the road has been his home for a long time. And uh, I don't think he, he makes an announcement like that lightly. Um, and I thought it was really cool, actually. I mean, it, I was sad as a fan um, to, to you know, know that he wasn't going to be out there uh, doing shows. I did a show with him just last year, I think, down in Dallas. Um, and he's one of the greats. Uh, but I also like to see when people can control their own uh, fate in, in, in particularly in this business where, uh, you know, most of us can't for a lot of folks, you just grind until you die. And, uh, so to see somebody who can control their own destiny and, and say, you know what, I had a good run and, and I'm set up to be able to, to not have to go out if it's not fun for me. Um, I, th- I thought that was really cool. So good on him. In your opinion, what made him special from your knowledge of music, the industry, was it the road life? Is it his writing skills? Is it his voice? What made Robert Earl Keane become kind of that iconic? To me, he's a iconic musician. Like the guy is just, I could listen, you know, the road goes on forever has been recorded by everybody, but he's got so many great songs, Christmas and family, the whole family Christmas deal was so famous out West here. We'd listen, we still listen to it every holiday. In your opinion, Hayes Carl, what made Robert Earl so special? It's, it was the songwriting. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, he, he's got a really, I think, cool and unique voice that <clears throat> makes him recognizable. And that's important um, as an artist to for people to be able to 
tell who you are and, and to have something distinctive about yourself. But to me, the main thing was his songwriting. And, you know, I, I think um, he came at it with a sense of humor that I loved. And a lot of the people that I'm very drawn to have that, whether it's John Prine or Lyle Lovett, Robert's good friend, or Todd Snyder. Um, he came He came with a sense of humor. He came with an appreciation of storytelling and the ability to tell a good story. A lot of people say, oh, I love a good story song, but they can't write one for you know anything. And, and, and Robert could. And, uh, you know, it, I... Coming up and watching him, it's been interesting. Like so many people have been inspired by Robert, and and but I think a lot of folks looked at it and said, "Oh, he has a you know not traditionally amazing voice, and he's just up there singing." And they they all thought I could do that. And a lot of people picked up guitars and became songwriters uh, because of Robert. And and there's probably a lot of folks that were they were great. Um, but I think a lot of people underestimated what he did. They, he made it look so easy. And so they just went out and started playing. And and I don't, I don't think anybody reached the level that he did. He just was so good and so smart and so funny. And um, uh, and also he didn't pander. Even though it was, it was funny stuff, he did it on his own terms with his own pers- particular point of view and i think he was inspired by i think his songwriting heroes uh uh were probably close at hand as he as he wrote throughout his career you know we're we're when we write as artists you have an audience in mind sometimes and so, and that can be the actual audience that you're going to play to it can be the the uh y- yourself and and your own sort of standards or it can be your your songwriting heroes and you think to yourself you know uh, could I get this past John Prine, or would he tell me that's his crap? And, and uh, I, I have this feeling that Robert found his own voice, but also, um, you know, had a lot of respect for the Guy Clarks and the Townses and the people that that he came up uh, playing with, but also uh, learning from. When you were, you know, you were really young when I saw you the first time with him. Was it intimidating, Hayes? And also. Did he ever say anything to you after? Did he stay on side stage and watch you one night when you're opening or, or at the same festival as him? Did you ever get that kind of approval from Robert Earl on any of the your your meetings with him or any of the times you were playing with him? Uh, not really. Not really. I mean, he uh, uh, he wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say he was effusive in his praise, Um uh, you know, I would have loved it if he had been, but I also, uh, I didn't need that. You know, I just, I was, I figured they invited me to go on the road with them. That, that was probably validation enough that they respected, he respected what I did. And, um, uh, and then, you know, continued to help me out. I mean, we haven't done a ton of things together, but we've done, did one full tour with him. And then I played, you know, probably a half dozen other shows and and he's called me up on stage and and stuff so um i uh, i just uh i i i looked at his actions rather than his words um to 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 see whether he was down with what i was doing do you like today's culture or temperature of texas music is it is it what it was when you started coming up is it is it evolving 
is it it seems like there's a lot more artists that might be premature to say because i don't know it as well as you do hayes but it seems like what you just said about robert being an influence and hey i could pick a guitar up and sing at a rodeo or sing on my back my back porch or on a tailgate it kind of evolved into several artists that are on the texas scene now it seems to me that there's more than ever i could be wrong again in saying that but what is your kind of like your off the top of your head feeling of texas music right now well you know i I got to be honest, I, I'm not exactly uh, uh, up to date on everything that's happening. Um, I live in Tennessee now, and I just kind of operate in my own world. You know, I don't really, uh, I've never really fit or wanted to fit in just one specific genre. So, I, I mean, I certainly came up, I started out in Texas, and and a lot of that scene was was a, a base for me, and still is, uh, as far as my audience. Um, but I also never wanted to really be limited to it, and 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 um, so I, you know, I I pay attention. It feels like there's a lot of people coming out of there these days that are doing really well, like at a level that the generation or two before them aspired to, but never quite got to. Um, you know, there's the guys like Parker McCollum that are that are you know, playing massive audiences and having radio success, which is something that a lot of the, a lot of the guys before never quite got to, you know, they knocked on the door. Um, but, but it, it couldn't quite, it couldn't quite translate on the national level. They still had amazing careers and, and are killing it. Um, and they're doing just fine. <laughs> but, uh, I feel like some of the guys coming up now, whatever it is that they're doing has, has translated in a way, or maybe it's, it's just the, the, times have changed and, and, and you can come in doing a certain thing that, that, and people respond to it more than they did 10 years ago. But I think there's a ton of musicians in Texas that always have been. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, when I was coming up, the Jerry Jeff Walkers and the Robert O'Keens and those guys, uh, had inspired this whole generation of, of, you know, Pat Green and, uh, Corey Morrow and Roger Crager and, Jack Ingram and, and a lot of those guys who in turn inspired, you know, Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen and on and on. And, um, uh, so, you know, there's a, uh, um, it, it's funny. I've been in this for a lot longer than I want to realize sometimes. Cause I'll hear my name dropped in a song or somebody will cite me as an influence. I'm like, when did that happen? Cause you know, <laughs> I just remember being the kid who was just excited to have somebody clap in the audience and now I've got, now I see people with like actual careers who are saying, you know, dropping my names in interviews. I'm like, wow, that that's, uh, you know, 20 years goes by pretty quick. Do you, do you look at it? I know that you're a very humble person, but you have, you are an influence to a lot of artists, but plus your music has stand, stood the test of time and it still continues. I want to get into the new record. You get it all. That's what we're here to talk about really, because I can't turn it off. My brother Clay was talking to me last night. We were doing this little cookout with some baseball guys and we were talking about the new album because we were playing it out there during the cook and your songwriting is so awesome. I just want to make sure that everybody in this audience listening knows that your songwriting is on a different level to me. Now I say that about Brent Cobb, who's a mutual friend of ours. I know that, or I'm going to guess that you still feel like Brent Cobb has, is legitimately a great songwriter. Is this fair to say? Yeah, for sure. Um, your songwriting is so good. Where do you, 
where do you start with an album like this? Is there a theme that you go with, Hayes? Or is this something to where you've had some of these songs in your library for a, a good a good while now, and they've now you kind of were able to package them together? Because to me, and I don't know, again, I'm just saying my opinion, this album is like a full play. Like it just goes from track to track to track, and I follow along on something that was produced to be together. Like an like this is a project right here. It wasn't just some old songs got put together with some new songs. Uh, am I onto something there? Because this is a very very awesome album. Congratulations. Well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, and I'm glad it I'm glad it reads that way to you. Uh, uh, that it was intentional. I can't say that it was. I mean, I, I, every record I've made, you. you you make it and then you got to go to press and have something to talk about. And, and the idea is you're supposed to say, well, here's, here was my vision. And I, I being the master craftsman that I am was able to do a whole record of songs that were inspired by this and et cetera. And I find that's for myself, that's rarely how it happens. I'm, I'm just focused on one song at a time. And then afterwards I'll look at my pot, like before I go into the studio, I'll look at things and see how they fit together. And sometimes even then it doesn't become totally apparent to me. But usually after the record is done, I'll go back and I'll look at it and I'll see if there's a theme that shows itself. And in this case, it was, uh, to me, it was relationships. Like all these songs are about some kind of relationship, whether it's with yourself or with your spouse or your um, uh, family or with the planet or, or with God or, you know, whatever it is, it's, um, that seemed to be the focus of my writing. And, and I, I think, um, you know, a, a lot of this was done right after I moved to Nashville, I was starting to get to write with a lot of great country writers, um, like Brandy Clark and brothers Osborne and, and a lot of folks like that. And then, um, and then some of it was done during the pandemic too. And it's just a time in my life where things are changing my son's growing up fast. I, I got married, uh, remarried, and I'm just trying to make sense of um, of things and 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 kind of reconnect. I, there was a point in my life where things kind of got off the rails, and 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 I was not enjoying my life as much as I wanted to, and felt like I should be because I'm I'm very blessed and have an incredible life. And there, it, it pissed me off that I was walking around not enjoying it or appreciating it so I, i've just been trying to dig in and and find that connection and i think that came out in a lot of these songs was that sort of search for some kind of uh, meaning and presence and i find it with with my relationships mostly i love it it's like uh maturity processes and different levels of maturity in life and thank god that you learned this at a younger age than to get into your 60s or 70s and have to kick yourself in the ass for not realizing how value and how special that, that not I'm not talking about money value I'm just talking about your your son and your new marriage and your friends and your what your career I mean like you have done it so like it's so awesome to hear let me ask you this because I started thinking when you're talking I loved hearing all that Hayes Carl the first song on the album nice things is this because you watched your family literally mess nice things up was it a holiday party that you saw this happen or is this you're looking at your life and you're like hey man i got nice my life life is the nice thing and we always find a way to mess that part up because we're always trying to seek out too much or not appreciate what we have at the present time well um 
you know that that particular one i just had that expression in my head you know it's 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 something you hear people say is why we can't have nice things and um you know my i got a dog during the pandemic that just tore up our house and and uh um and so in my mind i was just thinking about a relationship a, a husband and a wife and the wife just saying you know this is why we can't have nice things and it was pretty basic and um and then I, I wrote that with Brothers Osborne, and I went over to to uh, John Osborne's house, and and he had a really good idea, which was you know why don't we zoom out and make it about the Earth? The Earth is this nice thing that we have, and the things that grow on it, and 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 um, and you know we as a people don't really um, do it justice. We're not really taking care of it. We're not conserving it. We're we're not. Um, you know, we're, we're polluting it and we're outlawing and illegalizing things that grow naturally on the earth. Um, you know, these are nice things and we can't have them. And, and so the idea was that mankind was responsible for, for not having nice things. And we thought, well, who's, who's, who can say that? Who has the authority to, to make that statement? And uh, we thought, well, the creator does. Um, so they, it just kind of went from there. We ended up becoming the, the, you know, telling the story about, about God coming down to earth. And we figured just as likely that, you know, if there's a human form for, for our creator, that it'd be a woman. And, uh, um, so that's where I went, that's where I went down. But I figured nobody wants to hear me lecture them, but they might listen if God came down and told them they were screwing up the planet. Is this a quick turnaround or, or are you and both brothers Osborne's are at this for a couple of weeks or how, how long does it take to write a song like nice things? Man, we walked out of there with, uh, uh, I mean, we probably spent three or four hours just fooling around with it. And we walked out with a chorus. I kind of already had the chorus coming in, just uh, just the hook. And uh, um, and we walked out with, I think, two verses. And then, and then uh, um, I think I finished it up on my own um, and uh, um, spent some time just, you know, fine-tuning it, uh, coming up with those those parts in between the, the call and response stuff. And, um, and then we got in the studio and, and, and it continued to evolve, but, but we probably walked out of there with 70% of the song. I'd say. I got to ask you this real quick because your tour looks like it's been a, a, a success. It talked to me a little bit real quick. Are you happy with, you know, coming out a little bit, the pandemic laid down a little bit and you're back to playing live shows, which had to mean the world to you. How has the audience been? I've been to a couple shows in Texas. I actually saw Parker in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the crowds seem to be itching for this. What have you witnessed, and how has the response been to any of these new songs that you've been presenting to the audience? Well, the response has been, has been really cool. Uh, it's been, that's been really fun to see, is even from early on, people singing along to You Get It All. And, and I mean, that's one of my favorite things as a, as a performer uh when people are singing your songs back to you it's just an incredible feeling and i um and you know there's sometimes i put music out and i don't get that you know, they just stare at me <laughs> so it's <laughs> I, I don't take it for granted um when it works and something seems to resonate and and so uh this record um i i've really felt that and that's been a thrill um when i'm out on the road and then the road itself is uh you know, it's 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 a mixed bag. Um, I started, I mean, in the last year and a half, two years, 
I mean, I when things would clear up, I'd go do a gig here and there, but I didn't do a proper tour until September. And uh, I played basically September through December up to almost Christmas. And, um, you know, it was, the crowds were not what we were hoping for. Um, I, I think everything thought things were going to be better and then we ended up kind of flaring up and I think a lot of people didn't feel safe getting out and then a lot of people uh, took issue with what are, whatever requirements uh, were in place to come out. And so we lost people on both sides of the deal. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, nobody got sick. We didn't lose any money and uh, and we had a good time and, and a lot of folks did come out and seemed really appreciative and seemed to, to, um, to be very grateful to, to have um you know the ability to gather and commune and and have an experience uh, that's that's what it's about i mean i uh, i do live streams from home or i did during the pandemic and i love them um but it's a very different thing than being in a room full of people and everybody's singing along and you've got you know your arm around somebody and and you're you're there's an energy that I feed off of in that situation. And there's an energy that we put out that the audience feeds off of. And, and that's just a different deal. So, um, it felt good to get back in and, and, and experience that again. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to when it's all systems go and, and, and folks can just, uh, uh, get out without concern. Has it ever been hard for you to, I often wonder how artists re, um, deal with your library of so many good songs that everybody wants to hear. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, like I've heard it said, you go to the King of Country Music's concert and George has got 61 or 62 number one hits and you're expecting to hear this, but he doesn't play it. Um, when I go to a Hayes Carl show, there's songs that I have to hear, right, to to feel that history with him my listening experience with him the songs that really touched me back in the day as far as your library goes is it hard to incorporate the new stuff and get the reaction you expect because everybody wants to hear down the road or everybody wants to hear little rock or every everybody wants to hear she left me for jesus i mean there, i could go on and on like the library is freaking it should be heard by everybody in the world. It should be all over country radio every freaking day. Drunken Poets Dreams should be heard by the masses. The, the line about Louis L'Amour gives me goosebumps every freaking time I hear it. So, like, is it hard to put these new songs in there? And because you all, do you all, do you always have that, that, I guess my question, Hayes, is do you always have that feeling in your head? Like, I know they're just here to hear this song. I know they're here to hear this. Is it tough for you sometimes? Well, it's, it, it's, first of all, thank you. That's, that's, uh, I appreciate all that. Um, and you know, the only thing that's, that's tough really is, is, um, you know, I, at a certain point, I mean, I just put on my eighth record. Um, you know, I can do shows where I do the entire show without playing a single song off of a certain record. And like you mentioned some stuff off of my, my, my little rock record. That was my second record. It came out. 18 years ago. And, um, uh, so sometimes I'll just forget about it. And then, and then I, you know, and then I have to remember like for some people, that's why they came. It was that specific thing. And so, you know, on one hand, I, I don't consider that I have any hits, you know, cause I, I don't really, I technically have a hit, 
but I do, I, there's definitely songs that I know are, are popular with my audience. And, um, uh, so, you know, I, I, most shows I'm going to play Beaumont or I'm going to play Drunken Poets Dream. Um, but aside from those two, I'm not sure there's anything that I play every night. And, um, um, and you know, I, I also just kind of think first and foremost, I have to keep myself entertained because if I'm not having a good time, then I'm, I think it shows. And I think I'm not going to be long for this career. Um, if I have to do stuff I don't want to do. And so to me, I get my juice out of writing new material and taking it out and, and, and having nerves about it and playing stuff and go, okay, this audience doesn't know this stuff and they may not like it. And you know what? That lights me up a bit and makes me feel alive. And, and I'll just take whatever happens if they don't like it. All right. And if they do great, I got some new stuff. Um, but you know, I might do that to a fault. Actually, when I put out a new record, I go and, um, you know, on this on this tour, I, I play probably at least six songs off the new record. On my last tour, on my last record, I played the entire record. I would start the show, play all 12 songs, and then I'd play older stuff. And, um, uh, but I, you know, it's 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 just like a new toy for me. I, I've, I've got something new and, and um, some of those other songs I've played, I've played literally thousands of times and uh i still love them there's there's not anything in my catalog that i'm just like i'll never play that again um but you know it's it's fun to have something new and and to to see what the reaction is going to be for that i freaking love it i um i i asked that question just because it it, it kind of does bewilder me a little bit that you don't feel like you have to play down the road or uh you know k mag yo-yo or some of the other songs that i guess there's there's the hey hayes carls it's got a ton of energy and then there's songs that have a ton of story and passion but they don't necessarily have what gets your juices flowing so it's kind of a cool correlation to know that you don't need to play that upbeat jam song to get you going even though in the reality in my opinion i would think that's what that person holding that beer wants to get jive into it's it's kind of a, uh a, i don't know what the is it a phenomenon on how you build a stage show and how you go from song to song to keep that audience engaged yeah and if you if you look at like a super band like guns and roses which I, I i love them i'm not trying to bring them up to get your opinion or anything but their stage shows almost the exact same every night it starts with this song and it ends with this encore and the audience knows what they're going to get then they might mix a cover in here and there of the stones or somebody or a punk song but it's it's almost like how do you go about building that for each specific location you're going to in the country that's an art form in my opinion yeah well it's um that's been the the challenge i mean like i said i it's easy to get burned out and it's easy to get bored and to me that is um the worst thing i can do because again i feel so lucky to be out here i don't want it to be something that i'm checked out from and i'm just going through the motions um you know but on the other hand it's having something consistent that people can know what they're getting, you know, there's something to be said for that. I've just never quite felt like that was my strong suit. And and I, I knew pretty early on that it was not necessarily going to be something that was sustainable for me. So, you know, I'm, I play a lot of folk clubs, which is a very different show than when I play a, a dance hall or a rock venue. Um, and so that's part of the deal too is like i feel very fortunate that i've been able to 
have a career where I can go play solo and, and, um, in a listening room where people are, you know, I can do whatever I want sonically and, and tell long stories and, 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 uh, play my sad songs or my story songs. And then I can go do a rock club and crank it up and plug in the guitars and, 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 uh, have a different energy. Um, I just find it's for me, it's hard to chase it. It's like I, I get off center if I'm trying to chase what the audience wants, because I'm not sure that I ever know what that is exactly. And and then if I find it, it was like, OK, well, but what did I want? Did I, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky balance sometimes, you know, trying to trying to be an artist and, and bring something new to the deal um, while being an entertainer at the same time, that that's a tough balance. It, uh, uh, sometimes I don't, I don't know how, how well I do it. So I just try to, I just try to entertain myself and, and hope for the best. As you, as you talked about your maturity levels in life and now understanding what you do have, you even use the word that you're pissed off some that you weren't realizing it. Um, is your stage show maturing the same way to where you want people to get something different out of it today than I did 10 years ago or 12 years ago in Lake Tahoe? Well, uh, I mean, I guess the first part, if, if my show has changed, uh, first I'm not drinking whatever the audience hands me. That's a good starting point, (laughs) which, you know, it's kind of, I think back now to, you know, the stage used to be littered with shot glasses by the end of the night and a lot of them, which were just handed to me and I didn't care what it was. I didn't ask, you know, just handed to me. I drank it. And, uh, so, you know, that gives the show a certain energy and a certain vibe, um, which at times was fun. Uh, I don't know that how it helped us musically, but it was, it helped me kind of get over my nerves and feel like I was having a blast and, and hopefully the audience felt like a part of that. Um, but now I, I think of it more as, you know, I'm a professional and, and, uh, and I want to go out there and, and have all my faculties and be able to put on a show where I'm intentional and I know what it is I'm doing and what I'm going for. And what that is, uh, you know, I, I want to create a space where people can have an experience and can feel emotions and, and maybe, um, you know, it it can vary from night to night. Like I said, there's some nights where it's much more energetic and, 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 you know, if you're playing for 800 people at green hall on a Saturday night, you know, that that's going to be a little more uh, high octane show because, um, people are, are a little chattier and a little drunker and, and, they're out looking to have a good time of a certain type. And then there's some nights where I feel like I can take them on a bit more of a journey uh, lyrically and, and we can examine some other things. So I, I don't really have like one ethos for, for every show, like what I want people to get out of it. It's more every day. It's like, how am I feeling and what am I bringing to this and, and, and what am I working with? And, and you know, what's the, what's the best kind of uh, result we can get out of it? Um, and that, that changes, I guess. In your songwriting part of your career right now, Hayes, when you're sitting down with 
some of the acts and artists and performers that you've mentioned so far, songwriters first and foremost, do you have new goals as a songwriter? Do you want that top country radio hit written by Hayes Carl, not necessarily performed by you, but do you want to have brothers Osborne or Jason Aldean or somebody that might've been termed bro country back in the day? Or do you want Chris Stapleton to do a co-write with you? Do you have goals of having Hayes Carl as a writer on a huge smash country hit? Well, it would be nice. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't turn it down. Um, but no, it's not really a goal. Um, I, you know, what I'm, what I'm coming to is, is there are things that I can't control in this life. And, uh, and I, so I'm trying not to, to pretend I can, what I can control is the quality of work that I do and my engagement in it. And, um, you know, one of the things I have, have always, um, one of my big fears is leaving my talent on the table, like not, not maximizing my opportunities. Um, and I, I just did not want to have regret at the end of the day that I wasted what was given to me. And so these days I, I put a lot more effort into the songs and the writing. I spend more time with it. I'm way more into the process than I used to be. I used to be more interested in the result. Um, and, but now I just, I try to be happy with the work and then, and then, and not worry about the result so that when I'm done with something, I know as a songwriter that I did the best I could do and I can let it go. And if somebody takes that and has success with it, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. And, and, and I'm just as pleased or maybe I'm more interested in somebody else going out and doing the work with the song, you know, I, I don't have any desire to be a big star as a, as a performer. Um, but I would like, I would like the big star money as a songwriter, you know, that would be cool. And, and I, and I, I love performing. I want to have a career and, and be able to do it, but you know, I'm, I'm comfortable at a, at a certain level. Um, um, so I just want to be as good as I can be at my craft. And then, and then I'll let, uh, the better looking, better singing, better dancing, uh, a more charismatic performer take that song and, and go have a hit with it. That would be, that would be fantastic. I don't know. I think your voice is pretty rad, but you, you talk about, you know, these different processes of, and, and maturity levels and stuff. Touching on that a little bit more in the world of social media and self gratification and everybody living their best life. There's still the fact that, as human beings, we face dilemma, we face darkness, we face depression, we face sadness, we face happy times, high times, low times. Um, where do you find it in your psyche, Hayes Carl, that you do your best work? And I know that the easy answer is, well, I could write a song when I'm happy and I'm probably going to write a happier song, but that might not be the case. You might write a very down to a down song when you're happy, but when do you find you're doing your best work when you, I, I, I assume that you go dark sometimes because we all do. We, we all face that reality that life can be a, you know what? So is there certain times that you feel like you're better suited to start putting pencil to paper and coming up with a song idea? Hmm. Um, 
am I, I guess psychologically or emotionally, am I better suited at certain times? Uh, I don't know. Is that a is that a dumb question to ask a songwriter? No, it's not at all. I'm just not sure I know the answer. Um, you know, I, I yes, I have. First of all, I have the whole range of emotions and experiences, and and um, you know that are not reflected necessarily on social media. Uh, just like everybody, you know, it's we're we're multidimensional people in a way that Instagram can't. Uh, understand um but uh you know i i I think i write my best stuff it's not so much where i am emotionally i mean like clearly it's better to not be for, for me it's better to not be a wreck to not be just battling with my wife or to be uh uh emotionally or financially in the ditch um uh if if i if my if i'm keeping it um between the lines and 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 um am steadier and connected and and doing the things i need to do to take care of myself i'm better at my job i think at the end of the day especially at this point in life you know i used to go out and 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 just do whatever I could to find inspiration. I'd put whatever I could find into my system and go have whatever experience I could have. And I just tried to capture that lightning in a bottle. And, and that worked in some ways for, for songwriting, not so much for life, but, um, but it was fun and, and I did what I did. But these days, uh, I don't know. It's just more interesting to me to like keep my life where I can manage it. And it's not carrying me away. And, um and and work on my craft which is uh uh enough for me and so i when i just think view it like i'm going to work and i'm gonna i'm gonna meditate and i'm gonna journal and i'm gonna practice the night beforehand i'm gonna try and come up with some ideas so i'm not just going in cold and relying on some kind of magical thing to happen uh there's a fun to that that i didn't used to appreciate and and there's a um uh and i have a gratitude for it that that's my job to wake up and go try and make something exist that did not exist beforehand just on my mind like that's what i wanted to do as a kid and that i get to to do it now is is really special so i try and appreciate that and and i I think that's when i'm at my best when i'm not feeling when i'm feeling gratitude and when i'm not feeling envy i'm not looking over at somebody else's career or their talent and going oh god i wish i had what they had but just being grateful for what i do have and and trying to make the most out of it um that that these days is leading to to i think some of the best work i've ever done do you think that if you had to guess or you were a fortune teller maybe you have a crystal ball do you think jerry jeff and guy and towns and these guys could would they say the same thing in your opinion, Hayes? And I know this is a far-fetched question, but do you think they got to that point to where they accepted what they had and they were happy with it and they were letting, they were just keeping life in, in the, in the focus on staying in their lane? Did, did most, do most songwriters get there? You think, because I picture Guy Clark being a wreck most of the time when he's writing songs, but I don't know Guy Clark. I'm just talking about with the feeling I get from listening to his songs. And when I hear a song like anyway, I love you, which is what Brent Cobb says, the perfect country and Western song. Um, 
How would you think that they got? Do you think they got to that point to accepting it as it was? Well, I don't know. Those are some legendary um, uh, addicts and hellraisers and and um, characters uh, in in a lot of ways. Um, so you know, I'm not sure how good at life. Uh, I'm pretty sure Towns was not good at life. Uh, I don't think Guy was great at life. Um, you know, I also don't think they spent a lot of time. I mean, Jerry Jeff certainly was not great at life early on. I think later in, in life, he, you know, he got it together more. Um, uh, but I, I think all three of them, first and foremost, were artists who had a real passion and a drive and talent in uh, their own kind of charisma um, and genius. In, in a way and uh, you know I, I Guy was the only one I knew uh, Towns died before I uh, uh, ever um, had a chance to meet him and I, mean, I was friends with a lot of his family his son and, and um, uh, a lot of his bandmates and friends and stuff so I, I felt peripherally like I knew Towns a little bit um, but I never met him I wrote with Guy a couple times um, and so I watched firsthand how he approached things and he was a, a, a craftsman. Absolutely. Um, he didn't like that term, but, but that's how I viewed it. He wrote, he was very intentional and very specific with what he was doing. And I don't think it, it was an important lesson for me. The, the, for, I'm just, sorry, it's gonna be long winded. Like everything I do. Sorry. Right. Um, um, and I, I, I don't know if it will answer your question, but you know, when I wrote with guy, I was at a point in my life where I was, thinking let's just get messed up and and stream of conscious something and guy also got messed up but he was he had graph paper and a and a carpenter's pencil and he would write down in every square a letter it was very intentional very methodical deliberate it was the opposite of how i wrote and i remember thinking like this is really slow going and kind of boring and and i didn't understand his attention to detail um and then years later i find myself uh that's that's more i'm more uh i write more in that vein than i do with the the earlier style like I, i've just changed that way and and I have a great appreciation for what he did and how he did it. And so I just think he appreciated the craft. And I, I'm sure everybody wants to get rich and everybody wants to be recognized. But I think those guys, <clears throat> paramount to them was the song. And whether, you know, they had a huge career or not, while everybody probably wanted some level of success, I think the most important thing to all three of those guys was the song. And whether they wrote it or somebody else did, was the appreciation of the power of a great song. And, um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's where all three of them landed. Um, was that was the most important thing period. Have you ever sat back in your chair and looked at your graph paper, your, your style and said, that's a great song. And if so, which one or which few, can you name a couple that you went, I nailed it. That's a great song. Did you look <laughs> at, the Osbournes and say that's a great song or I'm not asking you to be like cocky obviously I know you're not but 
there's some songs that you've written that are hammers, like a lot of them are. Have you ever, do you know that right when you're done with it? Uh, you know, it usually takes me a minute to, to decide how something's going to, I have to let it live and, and, and then I can with time see if there, if it has holes in it or if it holds up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've got some songs that I think are pretty bulletproof and, and not a lot of them. I wish I had more, but, uh, um, um, I've got one on this new record called help me remember. Um, oh, I love that. that song. I, I think is one of the best things I've ever written, uh, wrote with Josh Morningstar. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I've got, uh, chances are on my K-Mag record. I just feel like that's a really, I just kind of crafted that as well as I could. And, um, so there's a lot of songs that, that, uh, early on in my days, I was, I was relying somewhat on my own personality and my delivery to, to, to get the song across. And these days I think more about like, what if somebody else sang it, would it still hold up? And I got to write it in such a way that, that somebody else can, can deliver it. And the song is written well enough that the, the point, uh, gets through the emotions come, come out. Um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, there's, when I go back to look at my career, there's, there's only a few songs to me that hold up that way. There's some that I'm really proud of, but, um, but, uh, there's only a, a few that anybody I think could just cover it and they go, Oh, that's a good song. Um, you know, most of them are more reliant on my personality than, than the actual craft. Are you writing different today though, to where you, if you're trying to get that hit, do you have to get outside of that box? Well, again, I've never tried to uh, okay, get a I'm hit. Not saying yeah, that you're, yeah. I'm not saying that you're trying to get a hit, but you said it would be nice. Do you ever get outside of that box and like intentionally write in today's world of songwriting and living where you live now? Do you ever intentionally write for another artist? Well, I do, but I, I have my limitations <laughs> as far as, you know, like I, there are just some things I, I don't know how to do and don't really want to do um, that might be required to have a hit, you know. Uh, so I, I just kind of I write to the best of my ability and hope that, you know, the, the culture, the, the, the industry will will hit a point where that's appreciated. Um, and it may never be, and I just have to be okay with that. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where I write with an artist for them. Um, and that's more, that's fun for me. Cause I get out, get on my own head. It's not, um, it's not, it doesn't have to be representative of a me, you know, we used to, when I would write early on, I was the artist and, 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 I felt like I had to speak for myself and talk about my personality and my point of view and all these things rather than just write a cool song. And, um, uh, and now sometimes I get together with guys and it'll be to write for another artist or just to write a song period that we think somebody might like. And that's pretty liberating because I can, I can just be a fan. I can think back to my early roots as a country music fan or as a rock and roll fan or, or a folk fan and can get creative and I don't have my own ego wrapped up in it or my own kind of image of myself or, or worrying about what other people think about me. I can just create a, something that can go live in the world, hopefully. And um, now whether that's, whether that's uh, 
you know, ever going to be on the radio or not, I, I don't know. But I, I don't, I don't really write um, for that. I mean, I, again, it'd be nice if it's, something happens, but I, I, I don't want to. I'm just not ready to give up my artistic credibility for that success. It, it's, it's. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to have a good life without having to do that. So I don't really want to give that up at this point. If I was going to do it, it would have been in my early days. So when you talk about that song you just mentioned on the new album, you get it all. The song is called Help Me Remember. Is First off, could you do that for us today? I want to talk about it first, but is that one that you would mind doing for us today? Sure. I love this song. Um, how does this process start? What What is your psyche doing when you start laying this song down? Because this is a powerful song. This is one that makes you think about life and and the importance and if you listen to a song like this and you can't get what you intended out of it i think this song is great because i think it could have meaning in many different ways for different listeners how do you come up with it where are you you know what what what's going on in your life and what are your intentions when you start this well uh it was inspired by my grandfather um um who grew up in, who lived in Waco, Texas. I, I, I grew up in, uh, just outside of Houston. And, um, I would go visit him pretty regularly. And, uh, there were two, two memories I have. Um, he, he struggled with dementia at the end of his life, right? But the year before he died. Um, and I had two memories. One, we were at a, at a, in his pickup truck at a stoplight. I was 14. And in a town that I did not know my way around. And we stopped at a, a stoplight and he turned and looked at me and asked me where we were. And, uh, and I didn't know. And I was scared and it looked like he was scared. And that memory has always stuck with me about what that must feel like. And then around that time as well, my, my grandpa was a very sweet, loving man. Um, and there was a day where he was not being either of those things. He was not, he was, he was being very grumpy and, and critical. And my dad pulled me aside and said, don't remember your grandfather this way. You know, this is not who he is. This is, um, I don't even know if we knew, wow. if we knew what was going on at the time, but, but, um, I just remember my dad telling me that like, this is, this is, this is not who he is. And so, um, I had this idea, help me remember, help me remember my life. And, and I thought about, um, you know, having a witness to your life and, uh, somebody that could, you know, whether you have dementia or Alzheimer's or whether you just grow old, having that person, you know, whether it's your spouse or your friends, your family that have, have watched you and know your story and know what you're about and what you believed in and, and, and what good you did. And, uh, that, that was a really, that's a really important part of life. Um, it's, it's a really critical thing to have and, 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 or if you don't have it, um, which a lot of people probably don't, um, you know, what is that like? And so that was the idea going into it. I just thought that would be an interesting thing to write about. Um, 
and uh, Josh Morningstar uh, came over. He's a, a great writer. He writes a lot of stuff for Cody Jenks. And um, um, he came over and we started that song. And we got together about three times and put a lot of, lot of work into it. And um, finally came up with something that, that uh, I felt like said exactly what we wanted to say. Wow, man. Just like that is power enough to hear that. It's, it sticks with me because my grandma also passed away. My dad's mom with all with Alzheimer's. And I also have another friend that's got PTSD from several missions and several tours as a medic that has onset dementia. And to see him at 50 years old, 52 years old, forgetting things that are so easy to not forget it's just saddens your heart so it's like that whole idea of a witness to your life and being there to remind you of the goods you did and the times you messed up or the the times you enjoyed or the fish you caught or the time that you brought your daughter to her first ballet that's so freaking powerful Hayes. like that is badass so congrats to you and josh and um i'd love to hear it man sure Alright, let's see here. The leaves on that ancient old oak tree are starting to turn. The same shades as the flames of this fire. I'm watching burn There's an unfinished crossword resting in the arm of this chair And for the life of me I can't recall from the one who left it there It feels so familiar as I watch you walk in the room And at first I don't recognize you, then I damn sure recognize that perfume. You kneel down beside me and gently take hold of my hand. And I say, baby, I'm scared and I'm not sure I know who I am. Can you help me remember who it is that I used to be? Will you tell me the story of my family, my hopes and my dreams? Did I try to stand for something? Would I always fold? Did I do things when I was young to be proud of when I was old? Was our house on fire, or was I just a slow-burning ember? Could you please help me remember? This ring on my finger is golden, faded and worn. Like it was forged in the fires of love, as weathered the storms. 
And I try to make sense of these old photographs on the wall But they're just faces and places that I don't know at all Can you help me remember? I feel like I'm losing my mind. I know there's a story, but it's getting harder to find. Did I protect my children? Stand up for my friends? How much damage did I do? Did I ever make amends? Did I try to make a difference? Did I give a damn? Was I a believer in God and His plan? Did I light up your life like a full moon that night in December? Could you please help me remember? I need you to help me remember. Like, what do you expect somebody to say after you say that song, sing that song that way? After the story. And after you lay it down with that much emotion, what do you expect me to say? And I'm not not saying that you have any expectations, okay? I'm just simply asking you, Hayes, what in the frick could I say to that? Like, that is, like, that's a tearjerker. It's it's so powerful in life. Like, what would you expect somebody to say to that? Do you want everybody to tell you their story, how it hits them? Or do you just want me to sit in silence and just take it all in and let it live in me for a little bit? Oh, man. You know, it's... whatever people feel i just wanted to feel it and and one thing about this song it's been really powerful for me is we, we made a music video to go with it um which is 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 really powerful a really powerful video and we teamed up with the alzheimer's association of america and um and put this out and just the number of people that have reached out to say i'm going through this right now um uh, with my dad or my brother or my grandmother or or my husband or myself you know it's just been overwhelming the number of people reached out including I mean a lot of them are just fans leaving comments and stuff or, or people uh, who come across it but a, a lot of, at, as soon as I put it out a lot of my friends called me up and said my, we just put my dad uh uh in hospice and he he's he's this he's what he's going through right now and and just story after story and i i like i knew the numbers have teaming up with the alzheimer's association i knew the numbers about it but it's still like it just blew me away like how prevalent this is and how many people this touches and not just the people suffering from it but their families and their caregivers so that's been you know yes what kind of feedback i i like i it it means a lot to me to know that that it resonates, you know, whatever the song is that if, if it, if it makes somebody feel something or if it, if it reminds them of some part of their life and I've done an accurate job of reflecting that experience. Um, in this case, uh, I, I feel proud that like 
um, I've had so many folks come and say that you took a, you took a topic that I didn't know how to put words to and, and it made sense and I felt seen. And that's why I got into songwriting. You know, it was, there were guys, men and women who, who, who could articulate emotions that I didn't know how to articulate. I had feelings that, that felt very important to me in life experience. And I didn't know how to make sense of it in a, in a way that, um, that I wanted to. And then Chris Christopherson or John Prine would come along and they would do it. And I'd say, that's, that's the most incredible gift to, to be able to do that. And that, that's what made me want to be a songwriter. So, um, Well, you kill it, bro. That song right there. Like if you don't have any intentions of putting that on the radio, which I'm, if it came along, I know you would, but that is like Stapleton singing that to a sold out audience in America. That freaking song resonates across the world, dude. I'm just telling you that that's got, that's got Stapleton written all over it. I'm just letting you know that I'm watching from the outside. That needs to, that, that needs to be pitched to Chris. All right. That's a great idea. God, that freaking song, man, just tore me up. And I want you to look at this: is that while you're while you're singing it, this is a this is a Gator Coolers Tumbler cup. Uh-huh. They have this awesome engraver. I need to get one for you. But uh-huh. that there that there is a picture of my dad and us three boys. My dad passed away of a heart attack in 2006, but my dad was a storyteller. So the whole time you're singing it, I was filming a little bit of it so I could remember it. But I was looking at that cup with a tear in my eye, going damn it man damn it that song is just like why do i have that cup sitting there today with my dad looking at me and now i got hayes carl singing this freaking unreal touching song i mean unbelievable work man so thank you we gotta we gotta have that to me that's what country music was invented for it made us feel it just did it made when i heard that's the way love goes or when i heard poncho and lefty for the first time with my dad driving on a dirt road back when i was a kid or when I heard Don Williams sing about the Williams boys and 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 yeah. what that song how it resonated into my veins, like <clears throat> that's what it that's what it's supposed to do. And I think that we don't have to get on a soapbox and say that I feel in a lot of ways country music has gotten away from that. It's just so awesome to know that songwriters with your prowess and your freaking talent are there and that's what i want to do to people or at least let people know is like man you pick up a hayes carl album you're going to go from emotions of being hung over to <laughs> talking about hooters to that shit right there that you just sang and i'm like oh my god my that, that's touching dude that's that's what songwriting was intended for in my opinion and your library touches all of those emotions hey so then that's freaking good on you bro well thank you i appreciate that you're and welcome i, lo- I love you, that you you mentioned the the Don Williams, uh, good old boys like me. Um, that's my mom's uh, favorite song, and and it it uh, speaks to her childhood and articulates it in a way that you know that resonates with her, and and that helps me know her when I hear that song and I play it. I mean, I cry when I play that song because it it's that it's that link between me and my mother. In a, in a way that it can be hard to find without, uh, you know, again, that's music that can be so powerful. It can help you articulate things, help you understand things, uh, that it's hard, it's hard for us as people to articulate. Um, and, uh, so I'm always grateful to the songs that help me do that and help me have a connection with people, um, that I love. So 
Um, anyway, thank you for. Well, I don't. Words. I don't think you've. Ri- I, I don't think you've written one, in my opinion, that that doesn't. Um, I was sitting by this girl three weeks ago. This is just a little story about a Hayes Carl song. I was, and it just it just happened. I was sitting next to a girl, and she was telling me a story about her daughter. They're from the state of Georgia, and her daughter had this really nice boy in her life, 19, 20 years old. And this boy is very well mannered and very worthy of this mom saying she was a he was a good boy to have around. Mm-hmm. The daughter says that he just he didn't love Jesus the way that I do. And her mom made this comment and I'm not bullshitting you Hayes Carl within seconds she left me for Jesus comes on my playlist and that and this girl looks at me and goes are you freaking kidding me cuz she starts listening to the lyrics and she left me for Jesus and it just was so like funny how that song resonated to the actual detailed conversation we were having that her daughter was not going to give this young well-mannered clean-cut boy that was brought up and raised the right way in her opinion a chance because he wasn't in a uh, part of Jesus's life as much as she was at the time it just it blew me away how the song signified the moment in so many ways as it came on the radio it came on my playlist that's funny that's funny well and that's you know if it, it, i wrote that one with brian Keane, and and that was you know it came from his life he came he came over one day and said you know my my relationship is in danger because uh i'm not i'm not uh religious enough and and uh, so that's what that song came out of it came out of actual thing which you know again for me i didn't really relate but i thought it was funny but then you know over the years i can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said yeah my that that exact thing had happened uh they lost their their person because uh because they weren't uh spiritual enough for for them so um it's interesting how it, how it plays out so much it just it blew me away that day it was the first example i've had of that and that song's been out for a good bit but Hayes, I appreciate it. I want to go out with the title track because I do love the whole album. The title track is one of my favorite songs on it, but the song you sang today, I hope people hear it and just understand that there is so much power in words and the talent that you have been blessed with. I I always tell people that I've been a pretty good storyteller at a campfire once in a while in my life. And on TV, I've tried to paint the picture of our experiences through the camera and through mother nature and, and how honored we are to hunt and, and, and be allowed to live this life. And we're, we're blessed to live it. Okay. We're blessed. Every day is a blessing. Um, but songwriting is so hard in my opinion to tell a story that you just told in that amount of time, you just took a novel and put it into three and a half minutes. And to me, that is one of the coolest talents given to man and women, woman by the man upstairs. And I wish I could do it. I often think like, well, I've written a song or two, but when I go back and listen to them, they're nowhere near the level. And I'm not saying that every song doesn't mean something to the writer, the creator that did it in different ways, but man, your songs hit different to where it shows the power of songwriting. And I hope people here help me remember and go, it's time that I help start helping myself remember it's time that I start becoming closer because when that did happen to my grandma all we could think about is 
Why didn't we spend more time with her when she could remember? And she knew who we were and she knew what Christmas was and she knew what this was. And that Those emotions really hit us. It, it, it's sad to see people when they lose that part of their ability to think that way and remember that way. So hopefully those lyrics wake people up and are like, dude, I got to start getting back to the simple things. And that's exactly what we started this podcast with today. Hey, this is how you're living your life now and how you even got pissed off that you weren't seeing the real light at the end of the tunnel and what life is all about. So, man, this was a powerful conversation for me, Hayes. Thank you. Congratulations on the new album. I can't wait to see you in person. I'm going to talk to you after we get off mic about something I have coming up in your neck of the woods. But, uh, Hayes, Carl, thank you, brother. Congratulations. Well, thanks for having me on. and I really appreciate it and I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoy everything you do, man. This is Hayes Carl to take us out. The title track to his brand new album, You Get It All. I love this song. You Get It All by Hayes Carl. Thank you all for listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Thank you for supporting all of our partners and sponsors. We'll be back at you soon with another episode again. This is the one and only Hayes Carl with You Get It All. All right. Well, thank you, man. Here we go. All my time and all my while All my man and all my child All my faults and all my scars All my sometimes lucky stars All my joys and my regrets All my old Doc Clark cassettes I knew the night we met You'd get it all All my lows and all my highs All my truth and all my lies all my rights and all my wrongs All my from now love songs All my future, all my roots All my worn-out cowboy boots Now I kick off in the hall You get it all And I'd rather drive you crazy Being more than you can stand Than to let you try to love half a man table and darling it's your call but I'm all in so lose when you get it all Texas dust, all my humble, all my bragging, all my on and off the wagon, all my be your place to hide, all my always on your side, all my catch you when you fall, you get it all. And I'd rather drive you crazy, being more than you can stand, than to let you try to love half a man. Are on the table, and darling, it's your call. But I'm all in, so blues will win. You get it all. All my blessing, all my curse, all my better, all my worse. From the chapel to the hearse, you get it all.